So sorry, you and Alexander were talking about the podcast. Yeah, on the, on this, the this podcast. Yeah, this okay. both 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 of our podcasts, our podcasts so far. Because yeah. he wants to he wants to um, have. He was thinking he and the girls should do little messages like. Uh, brought to you by Hardtail Media. Hey, find your, you know, and and he was thinking about how each one could be different. That's fun. So, uh, so yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. I think that's really great. Yeah, you know what? Um, speaking of our kids, Edie had a question for me today that I thought um was really cool. We're driving in the car, and she says to me, um, "Hey, Dad, would you rather live? If you had a choice, would you rather go back and live a hundred years ago, or go forward and live a hundred years from now?" And I think it's a lot, I mean, I think if, if I was Elon Musk, I'd say 100 years from now. I feel like I would right. definitely do that, right? Yeah. I think he'd want to know if he was successful in getting yeah. a base up on Mars. What happened to me? I didn't even think of that part. Really. Like, hey, what happened to old Mark? Oh, you wouldn't be able to find out, by the way. Because no. Because no one's going to have like, hey, guess what? Elon, you'd know. Right, right. They'd, they'd be like, who, who is this guy you're talking about? Who is this guy? You got to go through like records, years, you know, go into like get, getting going. So he, he didn't become famous from his podcast? Yeah, Dang that guy. It. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it's funny because we had this discussion just the other night too. You did? Yeah, we were talking about time machines. And I said, so... Would you rather go back in time or forward in time? Yeah. And so we kind of discussed that a, a bit. Well, did what you guys did, come to a conclusion? No. No. We don't. He, I think he th- he thought he wanted to go backwards in time. But yeah. I can't I can't decide. If I had to choose one or the other, I don't know what I'd do. I think that it so for me, I I went with backwards and and and, and in large part just because I know a little bit about I'm not, you know, a great historian, but I do know a little bit about backwards future. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's cool. Techno- the new technological technological advances do impress me. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's, I'm not going to be there. I don't really know that I care. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I think my head would spin even more so. I think going backwards in time would be really interesting because, as you mentioned, we've read about it, but we we didn't experience it. Right. So, you know, when I when you read books about say medieval times in Europe or whatever. And you read things about, you know, how, uh, people wore stockings, uh, um, all the time or, um, basically nylons, bowler hats and, and and, yeah, things like, and, and some of the things were because there were fleas and fleas everywhere. And so in order to not have your legs covered with flea bites, yeah. I mean, how? Yeah, I can't even. I can't well, even fathom. It's the fathom. canopy beds. The canopy beds in castles is, to my knowledge, the two factors are e to keep heat in because you'd have the curtains, and b to keep pigeon crap from falling <laughs> on you from the rafters, right, while you're sleeping. True. I mean, I think that's really true in a lot of maybe not in every no never. I would. Castle. I would imagine that a castle had all sorts of things in it that would not be uh, desirable at all. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine a castle Bats, big, birds, cavernous, rats, freezing cold? Oh yeah, English or Scottish castle, freezing cold. As we've mentioned before, the 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 real difference between, say, the people who live in the castle that are royalty and the people who don't is that somebody else takes their pee and poop and throws it out. Yeah, the window. Yeah, you don't have to throw your own, you know, waste out the window. Someone else does it for you. Which. That's a mark of right. success. <laughs> it just is. Is that really Any, what the moat was for? Is what was Is for? that really what the moat was for? That's what the peasants were for. You just throw it on. You just throw, throw it, it on the to the peasants. <laughs> oh, on to the peasants. <laughs> That's what peasants were. And have them like, you know, build their homes up against the castle wall so they can save on a wall, but they do have to have, you know, feces raining down on them like <laughs> three times a day. <laughs> that seems like a good weapon. You know, in a battle. Instead of like hot oil. Yeah. Hot 
Yeah, hot I mean, feces. Say right. <laughs> you say it. I'm gonna let Kevin say it. All right, we need to we need to move on from I, this one. But, except, <laughs> wait, but, but except yes, from that. But back to the question of time. Right. I immediately, uh, because my brain is just rapid fire, Kevin. Just because I, just because I'm I'm on point all the time. Is this yeah, drugs or just just how you are? Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. <laughs> right. No, um, I I sort of I was I sort of was proud of myself. That's why I'm actually joking about that because I realized her marking it as a as a hundred years ago was very very poignant because I don't think I would have gone back in time a hundred years ago five years ago. Because a hundred years ago, five years ago, the world would have been in World War One. But a hundred years ago today, two thousand twenty-one, we'd be starting the Roaring Twenties. Yeah. And now that would pretty be a pretty darn. I mean, if you'd have to be positioned, I don't want to be in a mountain town where there have been three houses, you know, whatever. But if I were to be in Chicago or New York in nineteen twenties, and uh, it would be pretty amazing. It would be, and I would like to say that I would do a lot of travel in both directions if I had yeah. like the quick emergency button that would get me the heck out of there. Yeah. Have you seen, what's the, um, I have it. And so I can't remember the name. I'm going to look it up. The name of the photographer, similar era, turn of the century earlier, but, um, but, but he traveled the world back then. And he, uh, he did a Tashin book, um, with him and he went to China and to India and all these places. His, his he's earlier. Um, I'm gonna have to look him up. Yeah, look him up because I would bet that I have have looked at this before, but I don't know who you're talking about. It's um, I have the one. I'll show it to you when I'm at the house next time. It's um, it's not immediately coming up. So we're going to. I, I think about um, do you, do you remember what was uh, was it Peabody? Peabody and Sherman and Peabody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the cartoon. Absolutely. And they would they would do the Wayback Machine. Yeah, yeah. That was one of my favorite cartoons, and it, and it didn't seem to be on often enough for my liking. But I still remember it to this day, and we have read some of their – they have little kids' books. So I read some of them to my son when he was, you know, too, too little to read on his own. And one of them was about Marie Antoinette and the French Revolution. Uh-huh. So that was really, I mean, since we talked about that not too long ago on a podcast, um, it's pretty fun to think about being able to go back or, or forward and see these things. I mean, could you imagine, uh, so what was it, Land of the Lost? Oh, Wasn't yeah. Wasn't that they ended up stacks. back with the dinosaurs, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, how cool. I think that that would be... So again, like it's like if you know if would I rather go backwards a hundred years or would I would I rather go or forward or would I rather go backwards like one you know one point two million years right. you know, whatever the heck yeah. and there you and it's like well I don't think I want to go forward that far yeah I know I don't yeah, one point two million years I don't know I do not think I would want to go back like a hundred years one is one thing I think I think it, that's tempting to go forward a hundred years I can't imagine going forward a thousand years. I go backwards a thousand years. Okay. I kind of have an idea of what the world's like. It's pretty gnarly, not easy to live in, not anything like it is here today. I mean, at least a hundred years ago today, you're going to have like indoor plumbing and you're going to have cars and right. there's be certain things that you can kind of like hang your hat on. But if you go, you know, I mean, we already experienced 2001. So true. I mean, it was totally like, just like, yeah, the, I remember it exactly like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember floating. Yep. around my living room. And- we finally have, you know, um, computers that talk back to us and could potentially take over. Like it's Alexa. your children, or, right? Yeah. They talk yeah, back children. and they're eventually going to take over. Yeah. <laughs> no, those aren't computers. You're confused, Kevin. Those are children. Right, children. <laughs> Not computers. That's That voice that I hear all the time? Yeah. Talking back to you. Kevin. <laughs> Dad. Um, Burton Holmes is the uh, photographer. Oh, okay. He was active 1870 through 1958. And he traveled Paris and went to China and, you know, the Panama Canal and Mount Vesuvius everywhere. And Peking, Jakarta. I mean, this guy's travel photography was un- is unbelievable. And, um, and, and, and I think that that is why I would be interested in um, going back in time. Instead of forward, in large part. Oh yes, Bert Burton Holmes, extraordinary traveler. I I love seeing the um, 
photography from from the past. Um, trying to think of the, the the one who did all the portraits of Native Americans. There was you know Dorothea Lang. There was just so many interesting photographers capturing these um, times in history that are fascinating. Of course, Ansel Adams. You yeah. know back in. Yosemite when it wasn't, you know, a complete traffic jam cluster. Yeah. Well, um, you, yeah, so I think it does, it, I think it really does have to, um, to 1990 <laughs> when nobody was skiing the trees yeah. in the powder and yeah. it would be all mine. That's, oh, yeah. that's my last thing. Yeah. I don't care about going back to anything else. I just want that again. You'd have some, you and you, and for like, like a dollar 50 a day, yes. you could hire some guy with his little truck to drive because gas was what? Nothing. Right. You could have a guy with his little truck to wait at the bottom, pick you up and drive you right back up. So you don't need a lift. Nothing. I, yeah, I, just me. I would Do probably, some friends. I'd, I'd take some friends with me. Okay. So let's say you could, uh, so you could got, come. you've got a thousand bucks. No, $5,000. You're back in time for a month. You really have to economize, but you also have to remember you got to peel a little bit off of that and buy some Coca-Cola stock. I, I was just going to say, there's there's some stock I would buy. Just a couple of things. Yeah. <laughs> I might buy. I might mostly buy stock. I mean, with the hindsight of knowing that I could go back to 1990 and then make myself filthy rich yeah. without really doing anything wrong i mean i guess that's kind of insider trading i don't know i think that the, I think but i don't think you're actually violating a law because first of all it's impossible so it's never right. going to happen but second of all i don't think that's covered by insider trading i don't i wonder if it would work though because i wonder i mean now okay there's so many logistics you've got to bury the actual stop stock certificate somewhere that isn't going to change in the next hundred years right well, don't you just get some? You go back and you get some broker, and you just buy them through the brokerage. I guess then, then, but you would wouldn't you then have to have as the heir prove that you're the heir to Kevin Bauman who bought the stock in 1920? Oh, I was just going to go back to 1990 when I was going. Oh, you're gonna, just, oh, you're yeah, just, you can still get rich from 1990 <laughs> <laughs> by Microsoft, right? Exactly. You just go. You're Apple, not even Microsoft and Apple. Now, see, now we're be, now we're playing with timelines. Right. Like you could specifically go back only a hundred years, or only forward a hundred years. But it, oh, yeah, it has to be choose your. Well, I guess I I guess there's there was still powder a hundred years ago, so I can I can still do the same thing. Yeah, well, I thought that's what you meant because 1990 you couldn't. I mean, there were chairlifts already. Well, yeah, that's fine. I didn't care. There, nobody was skiing the trees in 1990. That's true. I used to go ski the trees and I'd be the only one in there. And I was afraid if I fell and hurt myself, I'd never be found. Now you'll be run over by, uh, you know, a snowboarder or a skier in like yeah. eight minutes. Well, especially because back then it was impossible to ski the trees because your skis couldn't actually turn. Yeah, they were like 205 centimeters long, yeah, you made for slalom racing. They're not at all for <laughs> that. Like 60 millimeters wide or <laughs> under the underfoot. Okay, so... A hundred years ago, you're. That's why I missed the one, the 1990 bit. I thought we were still talking about hundred years. Hundred years ago, you're hiring a guy with a little truck. He's driving you top to bottom. You got him all day Perfect. for three bucks plus. And I get even richer because it's 1900. Yeah, and you buy Coca-Cola stock or 1920. Yeah. So it's. Can I go to like right after the? Well, it doesn't really matter if I buy him before or after the Great Depression. As long as I wait it out, I'm good. You buy them during the Great Depression. Right. right in the middle. Yeah, right in the middle. D buy low, sell high, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have that. And there was there was a long, I mean, it was a long period before the stocks really started to climb. So you have a pretty good grace period. You don't have to you don't have to nail this one. And you don't have to hit it at rock bottom because you're gonna it's gonna right. go high. Now remember, now let's be on now remember that you have to catch up to it in two thousand and what, eight or 10 or something like that and and just roll it all into bitcoin right exactly and not and lose tesla. the hard drive bitcoin and tesla not throw the hard drive away right yeah there was an article about a guy who's looking for i don't know 28 million dollars or two, million. 250 million yeah, on a hard drive i am you know he offered 70 million dollars for the township if he finds it for the township to let him go through the landfill if if he never finds it i am 
would rather be me than him by a long shot. I would rather Absolutely. never have had oh, totally. that than had it and lost it. Yeah. You beat yourself up for the rest, rest of, of your, your life. life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, there's another guy with a similar amount of money. Did you hear about this guy? Similar amount of money wrapped up in Bitcoin. He lo- he threw away or mistakenly threw away the piece of paper with his Bitcoin wallet password on it. Also, you know, so this guy, the one guy threw his hard drive away with the Bitcoin on it. So it's there. The other guy actually had them virtual through his virtual Iron Bank bank account or whatever, but he can't get into the bank account. And there's no way, there's no way nope. you can't call, there's no customer service. Right. If if you don't have the password to your wallet, that's that's it. There's just nothing you can do. They're just gone forever. Yeah, it's gone. I mean, it's it's so, the whole thing is crazy. There's a good, I think it's a Planet Money show about people who have lost their Bitcoins. Yep. And they're, one of them that was really funny, one, the guy is calling, they're, they're talking to him on the phone from a trash dump in Scotland or something mm-hmm. like that. And they're like, how do you feel? He's like, devastated, obviously. <laughs> how do you feel? Yeah. They do need a reaction for radio, but in actual fact, I think we all know how he feels. <laughs> the other one that cracked me up was a, a woman who she, she called, maybe, I can't remember if this was Planet Money or Reply All, it could have been that too, there's... One where they're trying to help people recover their their stuff. They're like, we'll try and we'll we'll bring in an expert. We'll try to help you yes. recover your whatever your Bitcoin. She goes through this whole thing. She's like, I had Bitcoins. I remember I bought some and I don't know what I did with it. I don't, I think I just, I, I think I have it on there still. And they go through this whole thing. They track what she did with it. And she went on, I think she went on to Silk Road and bought drugs. Excellent. And she goes, my mom was right. I shouldn't have bought drugs. <laughs> no. <laughs> she so she she like because she didn't think it was going to be worth anything. Yeah. She thought it was a joke. She's like, "What can I do with Bitcoin?" And it's like, "Well, you can buy stuff on the dark web or whatever, yeah. you know." So mm-hmm. she went on and bought some drugs and blew what would potentially be, you know, $30,000 yeah. yeah. in the future on like probably 20 bucks in drugs or something. Did I ever tell you about, uh, so I, you know, I spent a little bit of time working in Hollywood and my boss would tell me about this story every now and then, you know, in Hollywood, ever, all everyone does, people are really good about, well, good. It's the one place in the world, probably also, you know, maybe the stock market where people call, actually call each other still. Like there's not like a life is, does not, businesses are not only happen through email. They actually have to get on the phone with each other all day. And we used to get this one guy calling all the time. I'm forgetting his name right now and I wouldn't throw it out there anyway, but I'm, and my boss, who would be talking to him all the time, is a lawyer. And my boss would remind me every once in a while, this is his so-and-so. You know, he's, his claim to fame is, and he, he's done well in Hollywood, this guy. So he's not like a failure. It's not like he's like living under a, under a bridge. But this guy was the guy who apparently his claim to f- sort of no- notoriety, let's just say, is that he was the guy who was working for, I don't know who it was, Universal or whatever, when George Lucas made uh, Star Wars and said, "Hey, um, I'd like to keep the I'd like to keep the rights for um, the merchandising rights for these for this for this property," and he kind of looked at it and went, eh, "Who cares about a couple little trinkets or whatever you know, like T-shirts <laughs> and whatever? Let them have it." So that's apparently, at least in the simplified version, this is the guy who kind of signed off. On George Lucas keep keeping the merchandising rights for Star Wars, the Star Wars. It's it's amazing, and it kind of um, kind of illustrates, uh, you know, the role of luck and you know, right time, right place, yeah. kind of a thing in life. Um, I, th- I thought it was a commencement speech by Michael Lewis. Mm-hmm. Didn't he write the Big Short? Don't I don't know who it was. Who wrote, yeah, that sounds familiar. I thought it was him. Anyway, he's an author. Yes, I think that's right. Yes, yes. He went to like an that's Ivy League school. Uh huh. Um, and after graduation, was at a dinner with a bunch of, you know, um, there were people from school and there were the parents and the, you know, a lot of them worked on wall street and you know, where all the best talent goes. Oh yeah. Because that's where our, we can solve most problems in life is gambling. Um, and he was talking to one of the moms or something. And she said, what are you going to do now that you graduated? And he didn't know. And she said, Oh, you should talk to my husband. He's, you know, head of Goldman Sachs mm. or whatever it was that, that 
he ended up working for. And so he worked for it, you know, kind of like, uh, I don't know if it went right through the, the crash or if it was before it or what, but that's how he ended up writing whatever blockbuster book he wrote. And I thought it was the big short. It's because he had all this inside information about the craziness that goes on at these, you know, uh, brokerages and yeah. these uh, investment houses and whatnot. And he, in his commencement speech, though, he goes through this whole thing. And he so he tells that story because the whole point is the role of luck. Like the fact that you are at Harvard or whatever school it was um, is probably not mostly because of you. Mm-hmm. For some kids, right. it definitely is. Yeah. I mean, there's there's plenty of kids who work their butt off and get a scholarship to go to an Ivy League school. Yeah. But you still have to have people throughout your at every stage of life to help you get to there. Yes. There's no way you're going to be, you know, some kid born in the, you know, the slums of India and just you know, like this—that's a one in one in a billion chance you, you, that you're going to end up at that Harvard. kid has to. That kid has to have some singular thing that's so special about him or her, and somebody has to recognize that it. That somebody recognizes it, that they're able to nurture it, that they're able to get there, and they are then they're allowed through the the gate through the gate right. because how else would anyone know? But even if you are an average kid at an average at high school, but you're stellar and right. doing great, you know, if you don't have an uncle or someone to write you a letter or someone who's got, you know, who who was who went before you if there's nothing like incredibly setting you ahead of the pack then it's just they first go to the tier of like okay so who do we know right and and if you are smart if you were le- just legitimately genetically you know great that that wasn't your doing right I mean, you're still lucky that you are smarter than other people. Well, and yeah. and if you are wealthy, right, you didn't choose your wealthy family. Mm-hmm. You're just lucky. And if yeah. you were born in the United States and you got to have a decent education through public education, you didn't choose that either. Right. You're just lucky. Yeah. So that was kind of his thing. And um, I thought that was great. Um, and this goes back to whatever you, the heck we were just talking about. Well, it's kind of very nihilistic in the sense that it's sort of like none of this matters. In, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here, but it feels to me sort of in the sense that you're just sort of looking at it, not pessimistically, but sort of saying none of this matters. If you're here, you're lucky. You know what I mean? If you're not, you just weren't. Uh, life, that's the way life is. Good luck to you. Yeah. Well, or you could choose to look and say, you were a righteous person and God loved you or you were a bad person and God did not love you. There you go. Right. I mean, how maybe, can you, you know, you got to go to Harvard. God loves you. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was interesting though. And his point wasn't like, Hey guys, you're actually just losers and yeah. you didn't do anything. Right. And no, his, his point was more that just acknowledge yeah. the things in your life. Yeah. That have worked out for you. And I was and, joking, but yes, you're absolutely right. Clearly and, we're and, talking about... And when you look at somebody, so, you know, I, I think it makes people feel good to look at other people who don't have what they have and say, they didn't work as hard as me. You know, they weren't as smart as me. Right. When I guarantee there are tons of smart people that are not wealthy. There are tons of people who are working really hard that are delivering your mail or picking up your garbage, or cleaning the tables, you know, Working right now during a pandemic. Much harder. Yeah. I mean, there's an, there's a there's a uh, a psychology to success that does not only does maybe the person themselves assume that they they deserve all of this, but there's also our society looks. I mean, we look at this with our president. We look or about soon, thankfully soon to be former president. Right. Um, we look at this and we look at these markers to try to judge. It's the way the human mind works, but we're saying, oh, you drive a Tesla, you must work hard and be successful. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean you work hard. Well, and it's, I mean, this is what we call a meritocracy, right? Yeah. The, the, the people who are most deserving get the most success. But then we start to broaden what a meritocracy is. And we start to say the kids right. of person who worked really hard yeah. is more deserving. And it's like, yeah. well, he's not, I mean, 
the rich kid didn't do anything to be the rich kid. His right. dad did. Or it becomes your great-great-grandfather was in the land rush and ended up with a thousand acres in Oklahoma yeah. that then, then sold during some peak, you know, sold off for neighborhoods. And, and now the family is just wealthy. Nobody did anything except for that great, great, great grandfather. And that yet we still consider that a meritocracy. We also don't in that within that factor in how many people made their money by being ruthless sociopaths by off the backs of others, the Rockefellers. Rockefellers, I mean, you go and you you can still find, you know, um, uh, um, charities and buildings that were built by them. And there are sort of also the celebrations of these people who were, you know, gave back and all this stuff. But the, let's let's a huge amount of those people who lived. I mean, Reed Upton Sinclair's. Oh yeah. Uh, um, uh, oh my gosh, why can't I think of the name of it? Uh, an, uh, Animal Farm, right? What's no, you're uh, thinking or George uh, Orwell. The jungle. Upton the jungle, Upton Sinclair. The jungle, yes, the jungle. Yeah. Wait, um, and you, and you're saying, yeah, well, this guy's at the bottom of the heap, and his his life is awful. There is a guy at the top of the heap, and that guy is going to be celebrated in social circles. He's going to have his name on buildings downtown Chicago for the rest of his life, or for his life and people, and for all time. And and his family is going to benefit, and they're going to be nice people, and we're going to feel like they deserve to go to Harvard because old dad did this, but old dad did that off the backs of. Thousands of people, potentially. Well, and I mean, Trump kind of epitomizes this totally in does. so many ways because not only does he have his name all over everything and he seems to be totally ruthless, but he didn't actually do those things. Right. It's like his dad did those yeah. things. And he then managed to take that, leverage that, leverage that wealth, lose most of it, but get his name all over everything. So, I mean, he basically... Right spent all this money uh, marketing himself. Yes. They were all money-losing marketing schemes because most of them went bankrupt and, you know, he's had to borrow tons of money. But he got his name all over everything. Everybody knows who he is. He became president. He had people rise up and invade the Capitol for him. I mean, it's... It, well, but is there a curse to it? Because also Joseph Kennedy, Joe Kennedy was uh, a ruthless... For sure. Person. I mean, and then, but if you look down through the ages, um, it, it, it does feel like they're cursed. And the Kennedy family in many ways is cursed, certainly for the next full generation. And do you think, I mean, um, we will see, right? Yeah. With the Trump family. I have a feeling that based out. on the Capitol, there's a chance that, now you never know because there's some people out there, but. I have a feeling that based on that one final moment that happened, there's a ch good chance that the the pariah has the, the the pariah blanket has fallen and onto a, the family. This this could still even get worse for them. It could get better. I mean, but when you look at the Kennedy family, I mean, it's like um, this. This is a lot of wealthy families that the kids don't really have direction or know what to do. Um, the Trump kids right now seem to have direction, which is all just, you know, support dad's outlandish schemes and fake news mm -hmm. and craziness. But um, that won't always be. I mean, once he's not president anymore, unless he starts some news network or something and they all get to have their little news, you know, hour. I what think are they going to have? In the simplest terms, I think that it I think that it proves that the man is is terrible at 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 financial and sort of social business. He is he he's a bad bet to invest in financially and it turns out he's a bad bet to put all your eggs in his basket, you know, sort of like politically, socially, etc. because this guy blows it up and you've put everything in you you can't get any of that out. It's it's crazy because it's um, the Bernie Madoff of sort of like political and social life. Too, and you know? The people who are still supporting him are a good example of throwing good money after bad. It, yeah. It's the what sunk cost fallacy, which is you know you know that no. fallacy. So you know with software and bridges and buildings, the budget is say we're going to build this bridge for $250 million. Now you get to $300 million and the whole thing's a disaster and the bridge is not even half built. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, we need to stop, yeah. they say, 
we're half done. Yeah. We need to complete it. Yeah. And that's that's both throwing good money after bad, and it's the sunk cost fallacy because you say, well, we've already sunk this amount of money in. Yeah. That's a waste if we don't complete it, except that it might end up costing you a billion dollars. Right. And, yeah. the, and the actual value of this bridge is $250 million, and now you've quadrupled it. And so that's, I feel, people who are still tying themselves to the Trump anchor, uh, that's what they're like. I already invested everything for the last eight years of my life or whatever in the Trump, yeah. you know, uh, family, political fortune and i'm not going to give up now isn't it interesting that that's what human beings do i mean because it's obviously this is one single instance of it but there are plenty of them that you continue to double down even at your own and also even at your own detriment but also um i just i'm i i i don't know if i mentioned it before on this podcast or another one but i I find it endlessly fascinating that human beings, I guess it's, there's a religious component to it too. And I don't mean this to say they're, they're equal, but like, why do human beings, what is it about human beings that positions them to follow something unquestionably without, even if it's to their own detriment, I mean, or potentially to their own detriment, or even just follow another person so resolutely that you begin to shift your own morality, you begin to make excuses for that person. I mean, it's like abusive relationship, you know? And I don't think I'll ever understand because I I, I assume that there is just something different about our brains. Mm-hmm. Because I've never, I mean, I grew up Catholic. We went to church all the time. Mm-hmm. And I could, I spent most of the time in mass trying to think about all the other things I could be doing at that moment. Oh, yeah. Riding my bike, yeah. playing baseball, mm-hmm. watching cartoons, right. yeah. sleeping, skiing, whatever it was. I I was never in the moment. I was never paying attention. Um, it just was not my thing. And I never was looking for, and I never have had anything or person in my life where everything had to be hung on that ideal or idea or yeah. person. Never. I mean... Everything I've done is, you know, I have a lot of things I'm passionate about, but it's never been, I would never go invade the Capitol for somebody who's so obviously flawed as a human being like Donald Trump. Or or anybody. I mean, mean, nobody could tell me what, I don't feel like I could, I would do that for anybody. I mean, I think that it's that, it's like you sort of handed over your power of independent thought and now it's like, well... You know, and maybe that's part of what it is. It's like, wow, this guy's doing the work for me. So I'm just going to take direction and I'm going to go where he tells me. I think it's an unconscious thing for sure. But I think you're right. And I, I, I mean, we could, we could go go down the path of talking about religion for a long time, certainly. And we have before, but I mean, I think that's what religion is. And I think this is very similar to religion. It's, it's the ability to find something, you know, they like to say it's it's greater than yourself. Yes. But it's more than just greater greater than yourself because I think that like worrying about the environment is something greater than myself. Absolutely. But still it's it's different because this is like if if I decided that worrying about the environment meant I had to find one individual, say Al Gore or something, and just worship this person and do whatever they said. That would be more along the lines of a Trump supporter yeah. because they're not just saying, I believe in these values. They're saying, I believe in this person and what they tell me. I feel like it's like handing over responsibility for yourself, your actions, your independent thought for having to do the work. And don't, don't get me wrong. I don't and that's, that is every, religion. Yes. And I don't think this in every sense. No. You can like somebody. You for can sure. think this is. But it reaches a threshold where now you've, you've stepped over over the boundary and you're allowing something else to do all the work for you. And what I wonder what it is other than sort of a sense of I don't have to do it. And that's so much easier that I don't wonder what the value is. Yeah. And, and again, I don't think I'll ever understand because I don't I don't understand the the benefit to me to saying, well, it's out of my hands. I mean, I, I understand, like I've been at, 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 you know, in the hospital about to have a surgery 
and I'm about to go under and I'm pretty calm and peaceful because I know there's nothing more yeah. I can do. Right. And I, and maybe that's what this is, right? It's, I, I am at the point where I've given everything over to this person or this idea. I no longer have to worry about it. They're just going to, they're just going to, I'm just going to follow. They're going to lead. And it's a righteous person. I, I don't know. I mean, I think some of it is also, it's like a club or a party and it's exciting and fun and people have accepted you and you, you, you know, I don't know. There's a social element to it. Absolutely. I mean, certainly when, when you saw all those people there in costumes at the, at the Capitol that, I mean, that was, that was a party and taking like, were we recording when we talked about the realtor from Texas? I don't think so. Who was taking selfies of herself and her friends on a private jet yeah. flying right. to... Like, like they're going to a Jason Aldean concert. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, woo, we're going to go see this, going to go see the Super Bowl. And again, we've mentioned this before, but this is not what a real revolution would be. And, no. You know, a real revolution would be you don't broadcast your everything you're doing to the world on social media. Right. Because that would be stupid. If, if that had been a real revolution... A hundred people would be dead. Oh, at least. Yeah. Um, at and, least. And, 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 and bizarrely, we'd be counting how many of those people were just like, sort of like insurance salesmen. Right. Who just showed up that day and, you know, thought they were going to get new. Li- I think that there was a, I think that that people saw, you know, there's a lot of politicians talking about, they don't, oh, we don't want to, you know, overdo the punishment, not only to the president, but other people and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I think that that's. The very fact that those people didn't think that there would be any repercussions is the reason that they kept pushing. They could have been there. Uh, again, I will never say they shouldn't have been there. They believe what they believe. They have a right, right to stand in front. Sure. They have a right to do what they that peacefully. But, I mean, the very fact that all of those really, so many of those normal people were going, ah, you know, so like the, these, we're getting all these stories like a businessman who's like, my restaurant in Boston, well, you know, nobody wants to come anymore because I was there and live streaming. <laughs> and it's like, because you thought what you knew, you knew that you were safe. Right. Nobody was going to mess with you because we don't live in that kind of society. Unfortunately, you and your actions and the actions of the, especially the people around you, you know, the, the, the more aggressive people were in fact making it that type of society. That's Pushing right. it towards that. So what you're pushing for is to live in a society where you should have been mowed down by the Capitol Police. But what, but you knew you weren't going to be. In right. this instance, so you were there. So, are you really sure you want what you're wishing for? I I think it's an example of the uh, you know Robert Burton's self fulfilling prophecy, which is that you hear about something and it causes you to change your actions in a way that fulfills the initial thing you heard about. So, somebody says to a group of people. Hey, there's going to be a run on the bank. They're going to run out of money. So mm-hmm. everybody runs to the bank and pulls their money out, causing a run on the bank, and the bank runs out of money. Yeah, 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 That's the yeah. self-fulfilling a prophecy. And this, they're going to take our guns away, so we're going to go to the capitals with a bunch of guns yeah. and threaten people. Yeah. And then the the politicians and the, the rest of society goes, these people are crazy. Take their guns away. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, yeah. If your guns are taken away because you use your guns in a way that scares people, yeah. you have now caused the very thing that you were afraid of mm-hmm. that caused you to go there and commit your actions. And I, I think it's the same with this. So you're you're one you're wanting to protest a government that you're calling, you know, hey, Joe Biden is obviously a fascist socialist commie bastard. Look at the guy. And so he now we're going to... reeks of it. Right. He reeks, reeks of it. Of it's it. obvious. Yeah. So obvious. I mean, I've seen pictures of him with, um, you know, um, Che Guevara and... <laughs> oh, yeah. Stalin. Right. Stalin. Yeah, he used to right. hang out with Stalin all the time. All the time. And so they're <laughs> going to go there and protest it, causing crackdowns that are exactly the kind of crackdown that they were afraid of. Yeah. But the crackdown wouldn't have happened if they hadn't acted in that manner. Yeah, so, I mean, it is. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. It's like you're forcing what you you're forcing this on yourself, so you can. Well, and also, it's 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 circular. So now I can justify it. That's right. See, they did. The only reason I was here with my gun was because they did this. So they tried to take my gun while I was there waving my gun at them and see what happens if you know. What I mean, I'm a peace-loving 
so it's such a it's such a mess and it's and it really is like that thing where it's like hey if you just are cool you know like we can all do this but once you start to get real whacked out people are going to start doing stuff and it's just it's you're just you're looking for reasons to justify yourself like you know i don't know it's very abusive it's very wrong it's very wrong-headed and you know, when do we, when as children, when we're being taught these things, do we just suddenly just flip the switch and go the other direction where it says like, there are consequences for your actions. Try not to be awful. You'll get through, we'll all get through this. You know what I mean? Like consequences for your action, but there didn't used to be consequences for many of these people's actions. They're I not think. used to consequences. Or at least they had an echo chamber in which they believed, yeah. honestly, that the majority of Americans had their back. Yeah. Now it turns out that polling shows still the vast majority of Republicans think the election was fraudulent. However, the majority of Republicans also believe that invading the Capitol was also wrong. Yeah. So these people don't really have many people behind their back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, even the people who agreed with them are like, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, I believe Black Lives Matter, and I am a supporter of that ideal. I don't believe that we should be, you know, uh, smashing police officers over the head or, um, you know, uh, vandalizing and burning down your buildings in your neighborhood, which are probably your neighbors and your fellow, you know, small business owners. Mm -hmm. You're not you're not burning down, you know, Wall Street you know, office towers, you're building, yeah, you're burning yeah, yeah. down the like, local store, you know, yeah. yeah the little, the little uh, Vietnamese yeah. restaurant yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And, um, uh, so I, I don't support that. And so I suppose that, um, Republicans can say, yeah, the election was stolen, but you, you don't get to go do that. Even if you believe it, it was, I think that it's also important to just, to, to, um, draw a line between, I believe something may have happened and something happened. Right. There's a very, very big gap between those two things in certain circumstances. And in this one, there is. I can see people going like, I'd like more evidence. I mean, I don't know where they're not getting the evidence. Right. I mean, clearly like, there's evidence all over the map, but I'd like more evidence. When what they Evidence really to was, the contrary of their belief. Right, 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 yeah. right. I'd like more evidence to say one or the other, but it's like, you know, it's like someone who says they don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. Are you really, are you, are you, does that mean you're atheist or does it mean you unless you give me more evidence i'm just not going to go there I mean, right uh, or or if i give you all the evidence in the world you're still not going to believe it like it's like if someone were to come to me and show me like look man here's god right over here talking and here he is he's going to do some cool stuff and i'm going to go and then i'm going to go i'll take okay. you to the pearly gates and we'll talk to you know yeah okay i'm willing to like i'm not i'm not I'm not open-minded on a daily basis about it necessarily I'm not, like you know i assume that it, my opinion is that i believe that there is none but 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 that's a different thing than someone than someone who's just staunchly like no matter what you show me I'm not going to believe it. You know? We uh, we have certainly have a, um, a a significant minority of the country, and that's that this is all that you know QAnon and um, uh, Infowars and Breitbart and all of these and and many Republican politicians too have jumped on this bandwagon and it's all for self-serving purposes. Mm. Um, but they keep reinforcing these things that are obviously bullshit. Yeah. And so I think it's easy for someone to say, okay, you've just shown me a million dollars. I don't believe you have a million dollars. Uh, here's my Lamborghini. Uh, looks like a Chevy Metro to me. Yeah. It's like, no, look, I mean, literally it goes 180 miles per hour, says Lamborghini on it, and it's shaped just like one Chevy Metro. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. What What do you What do you yeah. do with that? It's like... In the face of all evidence. All and, evidence. And incredible evidence. You're still refusing. And it's and not just the election choice. right now. It's, I mean, sadly, it's, it's about, you know, whether or not the coronavirus, the, you know, COVID-19... Uh, disease and this, you know, SARS-CoV-2 or whatever it is, um, actually exists. Yeah. Whether it was manufactured in a lab, whether Anthony Fauci and Bill Gates actually created the virus. Which I believe wholeheartedly. Yes, for sure. I mean, because they're, you know, obviously Bill Gates, he needs a little more money. And well, maybe it's he's been giving it away too fast. And so he needs to get some more so he can give it away. 
Well, think about it this way. If there's less people, there's more money to go around for all of us. Yes. So like, let, imagine, Wait. so just imagine this fast forward to like, there's one person left on earth. They get all the money. They get all the money. And maybe that's the goal. Right. And maybe that should be my goal. Maybe I need to reshift. You know, maybe this coronavirus thing might work in my favor. If I stay in the bubble. Right. Where does all the money go from the 2 million people who, hmm. Mm-hmm. I could use. You're genius. Well, you know. Um, Thanks for that. I like, yeah, it's finally, finally. It's finally clear. Somebody's finally admitted it. it took a while. But, uh, you know, I kept, if I kept bearing down on people with my incredible ideas. I wanted to use this as a transition to Good a, idea, a, a story because man. this whole idea about, you know, um, propaganda and fake news and uh, people believing nonsense. I came across a story that I, I sent to you the other day about John R. Brinkley. Oh, this and is great. I had heard about this years ago and I... It was on another. I, I think it was a podcast, and we saw that it had been on Reply All. So maybe that was the yep. one. I, I don't recall because it was so long ago. But it popped in my head the other day because of you know all of the crazy beliefs that are going on right now about people who are afraid of vaccines or you know that there's microchips in there to track us. I mean, there's just crazy, crazy things. So this John R. Brinkley um, was an American quack doctor mm-hmm. who um, he claimed to be a medical doctor, though he he did not actually have um, a degree from any kind of medical school. Mm-hmm. You could buy them fake ones. You, you probably still can, right? I I'm yeah. guarantee you can get a fake anything you want right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he, that's what he did. I mean, this was a long time ago. So he was <coughs> born... Excuse me, I had to cough there. He was born in 1885. He lived to 1942. Um, so this was a long time ago. And apparently, um, back in the, um, from the 1880s to the 1930s, there was a rash of fraud doctors in cities and towns across the United States. Well, and, and because doctors, it was a real loose term. Sure. We talked earlier about that the French Revolution. That was a long time earlier, but right. sort of like you could just do this. You could write a book about, yeah, you know, I don't know, male impotence or whatever that could was. Well, actually, that's what this guy's thing was. Uh, and uh, and all of a sudden, you're a doctor now. So when we look back on this time, we're gonna we're gonna say there was a bunch of fraud politicians. Yeah. Because I mean, le- legitimately, the strategies these guys used back in the 1880s to 1930s with their fraud medical practices is the same thing that politicians are using now, which mm-hmm. was basically just create um, a bunch of false stories, false success stories. Just talk about how great you are yeah, and do it confidently and people would start to believe it. So he had well, come up. We're, we're see, you're right, because we're seeing that all day. That's, yeah, that's, that's our politician. I that's mean, our president. I have the biggest brain. That's Many Rush people Limbaugh. say I am the smartest person. That's, I'm probably the smartest president ever. That's that's what uh, that's what Hannity, mm-hmm. these guys oh, yeah. just build themselves up and people just start going like, well, he's, he's, you know. He said it 78 times last week. I keep hearing how awesome he is, but you're hearing it from him. Right. <laughs> That's that's the only person you're hearing it from. When Usually, do you realize that, like, I could do that? Hey, I'm cool. Well, and, you know, and that guy's cool. It's funny because you know, with things like, say, a Google search results. Yeah. You don't get to tell Google that you're number one. Google tells you if you're number one. Yeah. You know, I mean, and this is Google looks at all of the things pointing to you, and then looks at to see whether those things that point at you are legitimate or not. If those things are BS, then they tend to say uh, that's not that's not a qualified link. Obviously, it's it's not good because a lot of bad nonsense surfaced. But that's the idea: is that you don't get to make the claim that you're the best. You're the one person who doesn't. Yes, exactly. And and you. You know, you're the one person who does. It's like literally saying like, hey, um, hey, did you guys hear how incredibly cool Kevin is? Where'd you hear that? Well, Kevin. Kevin right. <laughs> and the other person doesn't go, dude, really? They go, oh, he must be super cool then. And then it just sort of like trickles down the line. I worked with a guy and um, if he hears this, he probably know who I'm talking about. But um, this was in a, a startup and he used to come in really late 
every day for work. And I think he worked into the night. So we didn't really, and nobody really cared except that he was missing like our morning meeting and stuff like that a lot. And, um, and he would come in and say things like, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I did a 10 mile run this morning and I was a little bit late and this went on for a long time. And he would always talk about, Oh, I created this thing and I did this other thing. And we were like, man, he must be really smart. He was always, but he never showed us anything. (laughs) Never any proof of any of these things. Yeah. And one time we were at their, at their house for like a holiday party or something Mm -hmm. with him. And his wife said, he doesn't run. Yeah. And he'd been telling us for like a year. Yeah. About all of his runs and how far he got. He was just flat out lying yeah. to all the people that worked yeah. with him. And, you know, later on when he was gone and people were going through the code he had written and stuff and they were like, he's, he wasn't that good. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's okay, but you know, people thought he was a lot smarter than he oh, was yeah. and he did have a pretty good career. He went on to some pretty big, um, startups that everybody would, would know. And he was kind of the head of different departments and stuff. And I, it's the same strategy. So it's, it's what it's the greatest these, showman, right? Yeah. It's what it it's is. It's what these doctors did. It's what Trump does. Yep. It's what politicians totally are trying the story. to do right it's now. It's literally the definition of the greatest showman. The greatest showman will, it's, 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 it's the end. It's the, uh, it's the last scene, whatever in, um, in usual suspects, you know, yes. the, the, the <laughs> greatest right. thing the devil did. Um, it's like saying, what well, I'm, you know, um, I'm, I'm, uh, well, I'm not, it's not that verbatim, but it's that type of, the concept I am the only reason you believe this is because I'm telling you right and the fact that I'm telling you gives you the belief and that's all that really matters I'm going to make you believe me and that's where this is going to end and what an what an incredible showman to believe to be able to that's do why I haven't been successful because I was raised to be modest and so I was always I, not just not bragging but I was downplaying my success oh Kevin you won that whatever. And I'd be like, well, I mean, yeah, but you know, I mean, um, I think I was kind of lucky. Yeah. Well, so to, to, to touch base on that, the usual suspects thing to tweak, to tweak, tweak that line, the, like whatever the best trick the devil ever did was in that line is that to, to, to convince people he didn't exist. It's the opposite. It's to convince people that he was actually the devil. Right. I mean, he was actually all these things. You're not these things. You're nothing, but you can totally, but that's, that's the showmanship, right? It's the I, showmanship. I remember a, um, I, I'm going to get back to this, but oh, I yeah, do yeah, remember sorry, a, yeah. an essay that someone wrote when I was in high school. You, you know, we, we all write, write these essays in high school and usually it's like, and this one kid wrote this one and he read it in the, for the class and, and we were all kind of dropped our jaws at it. But basically it was a story about a guy who thought he was God. Yeah. And he was wandering around. He, he gets picked up. It's like, you know, in a city like New York or Chicago or something. He gets picked up and he's taken to a mental institute. And uh, the, the, the psychologist or psychiatrist is working with him over a period of time. And each time. So, you know, what do you, you know, what do you think today, Frank? Or is it, um, you know, are you God again? Or what, what's Napoleon? The, or yeah. That. And he would, uh, yeah, I'm God. And then finally, after a certain period of time, he says, no, um, my name is Frank, whatever, and I, I'm a plumber, and yeah. um, you know, I I realize now that I was I had these delusional thoughts, and the guy said, "Wow, this is really successful. You've made a ton of progress, and you know, um, I think we're almost done with your time here." And the guy leaves, and the the doctor has this evil laugh, and it's it's Satan who has just convinced God that he's not God. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I still remember that story to this day. And I was probably like 15 years old, you know, it's like 33 years ago or whatever that I heard this and I was that impressed with it. But, That's great. Um, so this, this doctor, I just, I'll go real quick on this, but there, there was more than just this one doctor, but this, he's gotten a lot of press. He came up with this idea that you could take goat gonads yep. and implant Testicles. them in people. Yeah, testicles. Sew the testicles in, you know, like cut and make an incision in your body. Yeah. Stick goat testicles in there. Sew it up. And it's going to do things like cure your dementia. Yeah. Uh, It's going to make you more virile. Yeah. Oh, you're impotent? Well, this will fix that. I mean, whatever it was, this was going to cure it. And the doctor, the other doctors of this time were like, this is insane. This is dangerous, and yeah. and people people did die from this. 
I mean, it wasn't like, you know, people would get infections and all Mm -hmm. sorts of things would happen. Um, And he wasn't the only one. There's another guy I'll mention, but basically they're constantly trying to shut him down. All these other doctors are, are, this is, this is dangerous. This Mm -hmm. is really bad stuff. Um, The guy starts a radio show and finally they, they, he gets, there's a lot of lawsuits. He gets shut down with his radio show. People are starting to sue him because they like the things didn't work. They got sick. People died. Yeah. Uh, he keeps moving though, and he's 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 making money. And everywhere he goes, people are like, oh, "This guy says that goat testicles will cure my I I think that's that's the route for me." And sounds so reasonable to me. He ended up um, in Mexico huh. because he couldn't do his radio show, so he is largely credited with what was called. Uh, I think it was called border broadcasting, (laughs) which was you go to Mexico where you're not regulated and then you use a gigantic tower and overpower the frequencies from the U.S. that are, you know, quote, legitimate because FCC or whatever it was at the time Mm -hmm. has deemed this radio station gets to use this frequency. Yeah, right. But you go to Mexico and you can build this huge tower and just overpower and blast your message. Maybe it was border blasting. (laughs) <laughs> something like that. But apparently this was the start of something where a lot of people went and did this and they could have their Hannity. All these people would have been in Mexico. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Doing their, their show. But there was another guy that was at the same time, Dr. Norman Baker. And this is all in like the heartland, like, um, you know, Kansas city and, um, Arkansas. Um, and he, this guy starts a cancer center He's injecting people with all sorts of things like corn silk, watermelon seeds, clover, water, carbolic oh acid, which is poisonous if somebody yeah. <laughs> touches it or swallows it. And he and they they build a um, uh, a morgue in the basement uh-huh. where they can sneak off the people that died from it. their procedures without people noticing. I, it's like H.H. H. Holmes. It's like it's 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 a it's a softer handed serial killer. Yeah, absolutely. And not only a softer handed serial killer, but one who's getting rich doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So the um, the stories, if you want to look up Dr. Norman Baker or this John R. Brinkley, there's going to be a movie about uh, uh-huh. Brinkley and uh, who was playing. What, what, what did we say? It that said was? Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah which, with Richard Linklater writing the script. I mean, it's it, it's obviously such an interesting story that when you go down and look at at kind of all the different things, there's been books and I, all sorts of stuff. I but I feel it's, like this needs to be needs deserves a deep dive, and the reason I do is because you know, sort of looking at this guy's life, I did. I remember you mentioned this to me, and I did do a very quick breeze through of his story, and. It's one of those stories. It's that it's that lifelong story that comes from certain people. Some people, the story is, you know, this elaborate life that from the moment they were born to the moment they died, they did so many things. It's almost unfathomable. Right. They could have been all these things, done all these things, but they did. And in his case, it's similar, but like, it's that also the 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 psychology of someone who will reinvent, keep doing it, do this it again, find another way. Reminds me of a story you told. One, maybe it was the episode we never aired hmm. from Help Is Not On The Way. Who was that? Oh, yes. Um, the guy who escaped from, escaped from, um, from French Guiana, the prison French, in French Guiana, right. who went on, who like escaped multiple times. And kept getting captured. and Kept getting captured, kept getting sent back, had to trudge through. Went through, across the Darien Gap in Central America. Yeah, to, <laughs> to, to, and then had to like smuggle himself aboard a, a cargo ship to get into the U.S., lived in, in L.A., ended up working for films. I mean, this guy had no teeth because he lost them years ago. Emaciated, tiny little French guy who'd been sent to French Guiana. And for a life sentence, he was there for like 18 years, or whatever, kept trying to escape, found himself in like Tobago in river in rivers with malaria, on, you know, sleeping in the jungle. And he does this multiple times and still and, and ends up in the Central Valley with like a like a little variety store. What is what, what is I mean, that because on the one hand, I mean, like this Brinkley guy is obviously, I don't know, he sounds narcissistic. Yes. He's, you know, there's something there. He's maybe he's a. 
maybe he's a psychopath because yeah. it is like he doesn't seem to care yeah. what the outcome of the things are that he's doing as as long as he gets the notoriety and the money he wants. And I mean, it includes he tries to become the governor of Kansas because they're trying to shut him down. So he's yeah. like, well, I'm just going to take over then mm-hmm, and they can't mm-hmm. shut me down. He doesn't he does not succeed with that. But, you know. Um, you know what it reminds me of, which is actually kind of hysterical. There's a Bill Burr, a great comedian, Bill Burr, who's kind of become quite well known in the last few years. A long time ago, I don't think it was on a, I don't think it was on a comedy show. Was, I think it was on Conan or something. Like that. He he talks about, um, it's the mindset that you think of when you think of someone like um, uh, Lance Armstrong. And in Bill Burr's joke, he says Lance Armstrong's basically a sociopath on a bicycle. Right. And because he's willing to lie and cheat and steal and doesn't have any remorse. Oh, and he was willing to crush other people's little careers. Yes. Do anything. Yeah. But in, 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 in his sort of like, you know, estimation, which I think is valid, it's like, well, at least he's doing that. A lot of sociopaths kill lots of people. At least he's at the very least, that's the the worst he could do. And it's terrible, but still. But he wasn't a serial killer. And you look at this guy, and I think something similar. This guy is driven, 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 cent- self-centered, cares only for himself, um, and will not stop. But but he's, he's a sociopath with a goat gland implant business, <laughs> which is a little I, more detrimental to human life. I'm not really sure either what I think. Like, is it who who is crazier, him or his patients? Oh, there's that, you know, because you get these stories, these stories years ago of like, I remember one in Brazil, I think, and a few, I'm sure there are plenty of them where some, where a woman went to get, you know, butt implants from someone who, who, who shot like tire, like fix a flat. And, and didn't and she die? She, yeah. Yeah. She got, well, she got, I mean, you know, I don't know if she died on the table, but eventually she, this isn't going to end well. No. You know? And, and you do have to ask yourself of the psychology, the person who's willing to go to some underground. And I'm not saying, and this sounds uh, terrible, I'm not talking about a woman who may be in a very difficult circumstance and learning, looking for an underground abortion, because those things have happened over the years. And but that's a mega life-changing event. It could have been because of a rape. It could have, this is for vanity, pure for vanity, purely for vanity. Somebody who's so vain or so, um, and they don't have the money and they're going to go to some quack in the back room somewhere, not for something that is like, you know, because of out of a fear or, 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 or like I said, I'm not trying to like justify backroom abortions, but I understand what would drive a woman to do something like right. that if they couldn't do it elsewhere. Sure. But to drive because they're real world, you know, like effects for them and they could have come from the reason they're pregnant could be for terrible reasons, et cetera. But we're talking about vanity here. Right. We're talking about somebody who's doing this for vanity and the goat gland thing. You're impotent. Obviously, I can understand a certain amount of life risk for that. And if and if you have other things, you have dementia, and you you know, yeah, you I, might as well. Yeah, so I I can understand some of those too. But, I, but that can't be the only reason they're trying, going there because they have you know like like psoriasis. Trying to be more virile. That's yes. that's a good one, right? I mean, yeah. I want to be more manly. I think I'll get some goat testicles implanted. There are definitely people who probably walked into his door thinking. If this kills me, I mean, my life is not worth living anyway with what's going on with me. And it's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. Why yeah. not? He says he can do it. I'll try it. If I die, my life is awful anyway with what I've got, what I'm trying to overcome. Do you remember the the movie Man, Man on the Moon about Andy Kaufman? I love that movie. I'm do you remember he's got cancer and he goes to see that? Uh, was it remember. down to Mexico or Central America or something? I don't remember that part. I do vaguely. He's like laying there, and of course he's a comedian, yeah. you know, and he's he's absurd. Yes. Um, and he looks over and he sees the guy, he, the guy who's like pulling tumors out of out of your body, uh, yeah, without oh. incisions or anything. And he's desperate at this point. And he's willing to try anything. And he sees how the guy is doing it. He's and it's a total fraud. Yeah, and he just starts cracking up. Yeah. Cause he, well, because he yeah. could appreciate it. Right. Because he, he was a breakdown, the fourth wall comedian. Right. So he's a breakdown, the fourth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was like, he totally appreciated it. But, but it, it reminds, it, I mean, so there are people who, who are really desperate and will go do these things. And the shameful part of this is that people will prey on that. And, and I suppose, again, if we come back to our modern day politics, 
Donald Trump and a lot of politicians were preying on certain aspects of people's lives and livelihoods that they were angry about and taking advantage when they were not actually going to change any of it. Well, and and therein lies the great, therein lies the big head scratcher. These were not life changing events. You're not, well, it's been, people think people are being told that, you know, if this happens, your life is over. These, the Democrats or whatever it is are going to kill you. We're going to be Venezuela. But in actual fact, you know, Donald Trump is peddling the equivalent of of shooting fix a flat into your ass. Right. <laughs> because it's it's really just peddling to a certain type of vanity. Yes. That is I want mine and I, you know, so if you're believing his, if you're believing this or allowing yourself to believe this for most people, you have chosen something that you did not have to choose. There was a lot of um there were there have been interviews of different people that are supposedly, you know, it was what what did they always say it was? It was we had ignored the economic pain of flyover America, you know, the central states or whatever it was. That was kind of like one of the outcomes of the 2016 election. Uh, People were like, I don't understand why anybody would elect this guy. People were like, you don't understand the economic pain of, you know, middle America. And they are angry at you for that. So that's why they elected Donald Trump. And they would talk to coal miners or, you know, people in different industries. And they would say, so do you think he's going to bring back coal mining? And they'd be like, no, it's nah. never coming back. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah. man. I mean, so it's almost like they even know that I'm going to get goat testicles implanted in me and it's not going to work. But I'm going to do it anyway because it makes that other doctor over there mad. Like, and because that guy who's going to put those goat testicles in me told me he's really really cool that's right yeah i'll be part of a club and he told and 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 (laughs) all right goat testicles people don't do them or don't don't get them implanted or don't get them implanted next show that's the question of the next show (laughs) off the leading off the top would you pro or con goat testicle right yeah i'm gonna go with con yeah definitely (laughs) it's definitely a con that's what it is. A con. A con. It's a con job. It's a con job. All right. Are we recording? Not anymore. Uh, not think. anymore. We're done. <laughs> we beat this one <laughs> to death.